Cool. So we're going to be looking uh, into uh, the story of Esther. And Esther is one of my favourite books in the Bible. If you, if you haven't read it, uh, give it a go. It's only 10 chapters and um, it's just such a fascinating book. Uh, it's one of those ones that I just, uh, if I read a chapter, I kind of have to read the whole thing. It's just such a compelling story. Um, so I was going to start by talking about Horatio Spafford. Now, this is quite interesting because... I had no idea that the team were going to play it as well uh, prior to the sermon. We, had, we didn't talk about that, but such is our God that he orchestrates things. It actually kind of proves what I'm saying today, that God orchestrates things and brings about the good of those, uh, brings about it for the good of those who love him according to his purposes, as it says in Romans 8. But um, this guy, Horatio Spafford, I'm, I know many of you know the story, but um, Uh, This happened in the late 1800s, I think it was about the 1870s, and uh, first of all, he had five children, he had a son and four daughters, and his son, who was four years old at the time, died from scarlet fever, and obviously that was very tragic, and he actually then, uh, a couple of years later, thought, I'm going to take my family to Europe, he was um, living living obviously in America, I'm going to take my my family to Europe on a bit of a holiday, he also wanted to go and see his friend D.L. Moody preach. But he sent his family on ahead of him because uh, he had a few things to fix up with his business before he left. And uh, on the way there, the ship uh, hit another ship and sank and his four daughters also passed away in that accident. And uh, his wife survived. And so, of course, Horatio found out about this. And um, many years later, they had more children. And it was one of his, his daughters that, that was born after that said that as, his da- as her dad was travelling over the very spot on his ship, over the very spot where his daughters passed away, he, um, he wrote this song, It Is Well. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, in other words, whatever happens, thou, God, has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Um, man, that's just courageous. Um, then, of course, uh, in the Bible, there's the story of Job, and Job lost all of his animals, uh, all of his servants, his house and his property, and then all of his daughters and all of his sons, all in sort of the space of about a few minutes. He'd lost absolutely everything. And uh, it says in Job chapter 1, at this Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head, and then he fell to the ground in worship and said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. (laughs) May the name of the Lord be praised. Um, I've had a lot less than that, but I've had a bit of a rough trot in the last couple of years. Uh, I didn't shave my head and I certainly haven't shaved my face in quite a while, actually. I'm going for the Will Eastwood look up the back there. I'm going to have a bit of a competition, see if I can get my beard longer than Will's. Um, And it's winter, so it's nice and warm. And, you know, if you get hungry, you can just bring out a couple of things. Um, <laughs> actually, it's really bad. I had, I had an ice cream uh, a few weeks ago and I hadn't quite shaved the moustache very well. And I was sitting there talking to people and they were looking at me funny. And then I got my phone to see if there was anything, like, turn the camera around and I had a complete ice cream moustache. And I was like, no wonder they were looking at me funny. They were thinking, my goodness. Um, <laughs> but I did not... Anyway, with all the things that have happened in my life, I did not fall to the ground and worship the Lord straight away. I was... Very bitter, very angry, uh, very sad, and I would I would even say to the point where 
I was absolutely like hopeless. Uh, it would be uh, if I'm if I'm being really truthful. There were quite a number of times when I just said to the Lord, "Just kill me, just kill me. I cannot handle this pain. It's too much. I just want to die." And you start, and I'm sure I know many of you. You know, you start praying horrible things like, "God, help me crash my car," or "Help me, you know, get a horrible disease," or "Let this happen and let this happen." I just want to die. And if you read this book of Job, he gets to that point later on and just says, blot out the day of my birth. He even says, how blessed are the stillborn who never actually have to endure this life, but just get to go straight to heaven. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's true. That's how we feel in those moments. And when we look at the story of Esther, a very similar thing happened. Can you pass me my water bottle, Tim? I'm just going to get a bit of a dry throat this morning. Thank you. Um, when we look at the story of Esther, this is kind of what happens. So, in uh, Esther chapter 3, uh, and thanks, Carenza, for reading out um, chapter 6, because that's, that's kind of where we're going to get to, but I'm going to give you a bit of the backstory first. So, in Esther chapter 3, uh, it says, Haman said to King Xerxes, or however you want to pronounce his name, There is a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of all other people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, then a decree be issued, let a decree be issued to destroy them. And I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. I mean, the king would do anything, even though he's rich, he'll do anything for a buck. And so he says, you know what? Sure, let's wipe out the Jews. And so this message goes around and uh, an edict is issued to all the provinces and the Jews are told, that's it, you're done for, on this particular date you're all going to be killed. Which is crazy, like that's just, that's just insane. And I, and I wonder if, if you've ever felt absolutely hopeless like that. If you've ever felt like there is just no way forward that all of the issues in your life are just too much. And I, and I wonder if maybe you've journeyed with people like that. When I, um, when I shared my story um, about getting disabled uh, last year at youth group, and I shared with the young people there, I said, look, guys, there were days where I felt like I didn't want to live anymore. I had a girl uh, in the youth group, and I sat, I sat right down the back, actually, where, where Bill and, and Jenny is at the back there, and I sat with this girl and she told me that the next day on Saturday at 1.30pm she was going to take her own life. And she detailed exactly how she was going to do it. And I, I mean, I, you know, I know as a youth pastor what the process is and sadly that wasn't the first time I've sat with a young person who said that. But it was just crazy and, 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 and the good news is she's going really well. I was able to call uh, one of her parents who came and... and we, we've journeyed through and, and she's actually doing really well. She's, she's actually made a commitment to God in, in recent weeks even and that's really cool. And it's amazing how God used my sort of desperate situation to touch another person's life. And I thought to myself, hmm, maybe that's one of the reasons that God's allowed me to go through this bit of a bumpy journey. And I wonder in your life if you're able to look back and, and go, hmm, I wonder if that's why God allowed me to go through that bumpy journey in order to glorify him, which I know sounds a bit, sometimes people think, oh, just to glorify God. I know I used to mock God in those moments. Oh, I bet you this is going to bring you glory one day. 
thanks God, and you're just so, I don't know, I felt so sarcastic and so annoyed. But then when it actually does happen and you see it, you go, wow, I don't think that actually could have happened any other way. And understatement of the century, you, you are wise, God. Like, you, you, you know all things. Like, you, you, you know, you really do actually know what you're doing. And I don't like what you're doing, but I will go with it because it's bringing you glory. And, and, and there are so many situations in my life right now where I can't see that, but I have to hold on to that hope. And it's interesting because what happens in Esther, uh, we see here the king took his signet ring from his finger, blah, 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 basically just saying, yep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy the Jews. And down the bottom there, when Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out to the city wailing loudly and bitterly. I mean, he was mourning, he was grieving as if someone had died already because he knew the fate of the Jews. Like, this is it, we are done for. Now, Esther doesn't quite get it, and she actually sends one of her uh, servants out, first of all, to give him clothes and say, oh, you know, stop it, you'll be all right. And then Mordecai sends back a message to her saying, you don't get it, Esther. Even though you're the queen, you're a Jew, and this edict has been issued, and the laws cannot be repealed. Once the king has put his signet ring in, that's it. Not even the king can repeal the law. You are done for. Just because you're the queen, don't think that they're not going to kill you too. They have to. And all of a sudden it starts to sink in for Esther that, wow, I am going to die. I don't know how old she was. I don't think she would have been very old at this point. But it's like, that's it. I'm done for. I'm out of here. And see, for us as, as, as Christians, as people living under the new covenant, death almost isn't as scary because we think, well, we know Jesus, we know where we're going. You know, if I die, well, you know, bad luck to everyone else who's going to miss me, but I'm going to go to heaven and that's going to be awesome. <laughs> but that's not kind of the, the, the way of thinking of these people. And even I've found that even though I'm a Christian, I'd love to go to heaven. The moments where my life has been on the edge... For example, when I was in hospital and the doctor said, we don't know what's happening with you. Uh, it is likely that you're going to die. Do you want us to tell your mum or will you do it? It's like, whoa, hang on a minute. That is insane. That, I, I, I've got to get my head around that. And it took me a couple of days before I could actually sort of say something. And of course, God being God intervened and, and they found what was happening with me very quickly after that. Um, and it's interesting because... This is what's happening with the Jews. They're going, okay, we, 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 we're absolutely hopeless. The situation is dire. What can we do but grieve? And Mordecai sends this message back to Esther. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for? Very famous verse in Esther. But amazing when you put it in the context of what it actually means. Um, Mordecai is crazy. <laughs> because he has such faith in this moment. I mean, have a look what he says there. Esther, if you remain silent at this time, fine. 
relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. That is incredible that Mordecai says, you know what, even if you don't do something, I know my God will intervene because my God never abandons me. My God never says, I don't care. My God never gives up on me. He's always there. And my friends, I'm telling you today that that is the same God that we serve. That is the same God that right now in your life, in my life, in your children, in your grandchildren's lives, in your neighbours' lives, that's the God that will never abandon you. That's the God that will never say, I don't care. And that's the God that will never give up. That's the God that I want to serve. (laughs) Amen? So Mordecai says, to, to, and by the way, Esther was his cousin. Um, I've looked into this because I, I don't know about you, I've often thought that he was the uncle of Esther, but in, in chapter 2 it actually says they were cousins. Obviously she was a lot younger. And he raises her himself. It says that The Bible says that she didn't have father and mother. She was an orphan, we can safely assume. So he raised her. So this is like his daughter. And he says, even if you don't do something, well, God will use someone else. And it sinks in for Esther and she says, I will go to the king even though it is against the law. Crazy that it's her husband, but she's not allowed to actually even talk to him unless he says, oh yeah, I want to speak to you by the way. And he hadn't seen her for 30 days, but she said, you know what? I will go to the king even though it is against the law. And she says this way, and I think this is even more wow than such a time as this. She says, and if I perish, I perish. I'm going to put it all out there. She says, you know what? I am going to... As you have done for me, Mordecai, as you have looked after me, as you have raised me as your own, I will put it all on the line for you. I will pay you back for what you've done to me, even though I can't really, but I will do what I can. It's a little bit like, um, you know, if, if I liken it to this, I know my mum comes and helps me quite a bit with, with wheelchair life and it's quite pretty, pretty crazy, but um, mum's got a bit of a, a funny nerve in her, is it your hand or wrist or something at the moment? And she laughs, she goes, oh, yeah, I've got one nerve that hurts and you've got all this. But as a son, I'm like, no, I really care. I, you know, be careful. And a couple of times when she's lifted things or moved things and she's going, ooh, I go, oh, no, 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 stop, no, that can't happen. Don't lift anything. Stop doing what you're doing. Go and have a rest or something. Um, <laughs> so Esther puts it all on the line for God, but she puts it all on the line for Mordecai and she puts it all on the line for the Jews. And as the book of Esther goes on, in, uh, later on in chapter 7, Esther is accepted by the king. You know, he, he holds out his golden scepter to her. That's the only way you could either kill you or, or accepted you, depending on what mood he was in. And she fasted for three days before that, and she got the Jews to fast. There was this really big, like they didn't just, she didn't just go, all right, I'll go and see the king right now. I mean, they really prepared. They really prayed. Um, you, you know, you can imagine those three days. I don't know how, how long you've... I've only ever fasted for a day. And uh, by the end of the day, I was like, give me some food. This is crazy. But they've fasted for three days. Then she approaches the king. He accepts her and eventually she says, uh, yeah, can, can, can we do something about this law? She says it in a bit of a different way than that. But, but something happens before that. Some, there's a few things that happen just before that she goes and asks the king that show that God always wins. That not only does this God care about us, not only does this God not abandon us, not only does this God never give up on us, but he can't be defeated. Nothing can beat God. God wins. The story of Jesus proves that. 
Oh my goodness, he's dead on the cross. That's it. The Son of God wiped out. The disciples are in despair, even though he's told them, I'll rebuild the kingdom, in, I'll rebuild the temple in three days. Comes back and is resurrected and is raised to life to show, ha, you can't even kill me <laughs> because I'm that good. So this is the night before Esther asks the king for, um, uh, to, to do something about this law. It says, That night the king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. And it was found recorded there that Mordecai had exposed, whatever those two names are pronounced, uh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King X, we'll call him. Xerxes, I think is how you say. What honour and recognition has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. And then the craziest thing happens. So Haman, who's the guy who has got the law, you know, to, to say, right, let's kill all the Jews on a specific day, he just happens to be in the palace at that particular time. So the king says, um, oh, you know, this is crazy. Who's in the court right now? And they say, well, well, Haman's here. Great, bring Haman to me. So Haman comes in. And the king says, Haman, what should the king do to honour a man? And Haman, being Haman, thinks, oh, he's talking about me. <laughs> In the back of his mind, he goes, well, I'm pretty good. So he gives him this big spiel about, well, you know, he should put him on the back of a horse. He should give him a robe. He should parade him around the, all the provinces, the entire city, and say, this is what the king does to honour a man. And the king says, Great. Go do that for Mordecai, your enemy. The king doesn't obviously know that they're enemies, but that's what he says. And uh, I love this because uh, the king says, Go at once, get the robe and the horse, and do just as you've suggested for Mordecai the Jew. And that last sentence, Do not neglect anything you have recommended. <laughs> and so, Morde uh, so Haman goes and he does this for Mordecai. The shame, the horror... That Haman felt. In fact, it's, in fact, he was so ashamed that as he went home, the Bible says, he covered his head because he was that shamed and that embarrassed. And then, uh, of course, what happens is the next day, Haman comes in and, 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 uh, and sits with the king and the queen. And Queen Esther says, that's the man that made this law. That's the man that wants to kill me. A king is so enraged that he actually storms out of the palace. And while he's out, the queen goes and sits on the couch, reclining on the couch, so laying back. Haman goes up and is begging for, her begging for his life. Please do something. The Bible says he's falling on the couch, falling on top of her, begging her. And as the king walks back in, he thinks there's a bit of la di da happening and, and actually says... Um, Will you molest the queen even in the presence of the king? Which Haman actually wasn't doing. But that's what the king thought would happen. And what happens then is Haman's taken out. And Haman had set up a 25-metre pole in his yard, in his own house, for Haman to be impaled on. And the king says, oh, sorry, yeah, Mordecai to be impaled on. But instead, Haman is impaled on that pole. Uh, now, I just want to, I want to clarify really quickly that uh, in Ezekiel, this is what um, the Bible says. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, 
but rather they, that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. I think sometimes when we explain these stories and people think, oh, wow, well, you know, God really wanted to kill that person, blah, blah, blah. No, of course not. He wanted Haman to, you know, repent, to, to follow him, and, and, and that's what God wants for all humanity. But if they don't, <laughs> they're going to get it. And that's what happens to Haman. He, he, he's hard-hearted, he's prideful, he comes against God, and I just want to go back uh, a couple of verses, back to Esther 6.13. When Haman actually went home that first time, uh, his advisors and his wife Zeresh said to him, Since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. You will surely come to ruin. Even his own wife and his own advisors have told him this night before, don't do this. It's not going to work. You're not going to beat the God of the Jews. But as I've just explained, he does. <laughs> he goes, he, he tries his best, and he fails. And, and because of his pride, uh, he, he is, he, he's killed. Um, this is a really cool quote from Craig Greshel here. I want to go back to uh, thinking about... Actually, no, sorry. I'm going to skip that for a minute. The Jews have gone from being absolutely hopeless, absolutely destitute, to the king actually uh, coming up with a new law which says, actually, on that day, Jews, you can defend yourself with whatever it takes. And, of course, um, many of them survive and many of them uh, do really well. And, 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 of course, Esther and Mordecai are okay. Mordecai, it says in, in chapter 10, that, that he is elevated to second to the king. That's uh, how honoured Mordecai is. Um, and I don't know what happened to the rest of their story. I don't know what happened in Esther's life. I don't know what happened in Mordecai's life. There's, there's probably history books and things about it. But there's not, it's not in the Bible after that. But God takes the most destitute, hopeless situation and honours those who are faithful to him. Even if it doesn't look like it. I wonder, I wonder how many of the Jews, when they were told that this was going to happen, I wonder how many of them just gave up and fled. Or how many of them even, you know, maybe took their own life and thought, you know what, I'm not going to stick around and let this happen. I, I wonder, you know, because they were real people. They were just like you and me. I wonder what they felt. I mean, I wonder what we would be like if the Australian government just said, right, you know what? No, no, no Christianity, no churches, it's banned, it's just not, it's just terrible, we're not going to have it anymore. I wonder how we'd respond to that. I mean, these guys are told they're going to be killed, which is a lot worse. But we're trying to put ourselves in that situation of being told, that's it, you're done for, you can't, you can't live like that anymore. But God takes that hopeless situation and gives them hope. Craig Rochelle says this, What do you do when you're in the valley? You remember what God has done when he comforted you, when he guided you, when he answered your prayer exactly the way you wanted him to, and when he didn't do what you wanted. But sometime later you realised it was exactly what you needed. And you dare to believe that what he's done before he will do again. 
I don't know what kind of stuff is going on in your life or in your children's life, your grandchildren's life. But man, the world's crazy. You know, every week, every week as pastors, we find that there are new stories of of things going on. Uh, The last couple of weeks has been very difficult um, for a number of us in this church with a lot of different things happening, a lot of sad things happening, a lot of unfair things happening. But God's in it. God will honour those who are faithful to him. My message this morning, church, is God's got this. Okay? God's got it. I want to finish by telling you about this lady, um, Kayla. I don't know if it's Stockline or Stokeline. I don't know how to say her last name. But um, I follow her on Instagram, and that's her Instagram handle if you want to follow her. She is unbelievable, this lady. Um, so what happened was her husband, Andrew, was a pastor in a, in a really big church, and um, he, had, he was having some significant mental health problems, and so he actually took six months off to get himself right. And he came back one Sunday. Him and his wife got up. They talked about mental health. They talked about suicide prevention and blah, blah, blah. And then during that week, um, Pastor Andrew took his own life and lost his battle with mental health, left behind those three gorgeous boys and his gorgeous wife, uh, that had been, I think, in about September last year. And I love Kayla, her honesty. You know, almost every day she puts up a post and she's so honest. And just watching the roller coaster of emotions that she's going through really resonates with me. And if you've been to the valley yourself, you know the ups and downs. There are some days where all of a sudden you feel like, oh, yeah, no, I'm actually all right today. No, God's got this. And other days where you go, what the hell is my life? <laughs> is hell really worse than this? Like, can it even be worse than what I'm going through? <laughs> and Kayla, I love what she says here. Oh, geez, I, res- and I wonder if this will resonate with you. Um, just excuse me for a sec. She says, every time I share my story publicly, there is a private wrestling that takes place first, where I argue with God, And tell him all the reasons why he picked the wrong person. And all the reasons why Andrew, her husband, should be the one carrying this message, not me. And all the reasons why I hate God, that you have, not not that she hates God, but I hate that God, you have trusted me with this. I never imagined I would be talking about depression, anxiety, suicide. But after the wrestling, there is always peace. There is always an exhale and there is always a way forward, even if it's just a few steps. My friends, if you are carrying a painful privilege or feel like your calling is way out of your comfort zone, you are not alone. The wrestling is normal. It's okay to be mad at God. It's okay to feel ill-equipped. It's okay to want to run the other way. God doesn't usually call us to where we are comfortable It's almost always a call to courage and the privilege is worth the temporary pain and she always finishes her post with her hashtag, God's got this. And I'm so inspired by that. And it's funny because so many people come up to me and say, oh Josh, you're such an inspiration. I get that word, inspiration. 
you know, lots of friends from other churches and things. Oh, wow, you're still in ministry. Oh, wow, you've, how do you do it? You've been through this. You know what? I didn't have a choice. <laughs> the only choice I had was either to give up and lie down or just get on with it. And my friends, let's get on with it because God is at work. We may not agree. We may be like Kayla. We may not agree with, you know, that he's picked the right person. I don't know how many times. My mum and dad can probably tell you how many times they've heard me when I've been crying, like, you know, in the shower or wherever I've been in my room, just saying, I'm not the right person. You, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I quit. I want to lie down. Just give me my legs back. I'll go and do a factory job or something. I don't care. But then when I get out there and I see what God is doing and I see the way that God is somehow using broken old me to touch people, I just think, yeah, this is worth it. And one day we're going to look back on it all and we're going to laugh and we're going to say, wow, that was hard. <laughs> but man, wasn't it worth it? My friends, why don't you, um, why don't you stand and we'll get the, the band back up. But I'm going to pray uh, Psalm 33 over us. So let's stand, if you can stand. Our God, we wait in hope for you. You are our help and our shield. In you our hearts rejoice, for we trust in your holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Yeah, God, you've got this. We just trust that you know what you're doing. You know the way forward. And Father, I pray boldly that it's not too painful. But God, I really pray that you will be glorified, whatever it takes, God, just like Horatio Spafford. Whatever our lot, it is well with our soul. We love you. We praise you. And I especially pray today for those who just aren't, aren't there at the moment, that just aren't feeling it today, that can't see a way forward. God, show them, reach out to them, touch their hearts, touch their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.